As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Whether you need a mentor kind of really comes down to your expectations of what a mentor will do for you as well as why you want to hire a mentor. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us. And he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, in addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. Uh, when we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, he's uh, brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there and we've built a relationship with him in Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got And assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors 
uh, all you need well you need to find a deal obviously um but besides that you know the other main components of the deal they can help you out with so talk to mark belsky his email is m b e l s k y at eastern eq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875 there needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School, and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode. And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I am your host, Theo Hicks. So each week... We air a two-part podcast series about a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for the majority of the series, we will offer a document, spreadsheet, some sort of resource for you to download for free. All of these documents and the syndication school series, past and future, can be found at syndicationschool.com. This week is the start of our second four-part series. And this list will be part one, and this series is entitled How to Build Your All-Star Apartment Indication Team. So, as the name implies, we are going to be talking about building your team. So, if you have followed the previous eight series, essentially, we've built to the point where you are now ready to start actually reaching out to various team members in order to bring them on and are one step closer to actually looking for deals. So you've got your education and experience unlocked, your goals are set, market selected. Next step is to start building your team. So in this episode, we are going to go over what the core and the secondary team members are, and then we're going to have a conversation on how you find these team members. Some team members are found a specific way, but in general, you're going to find these people in a similar way. And then we're going to actually talk about the process for hiring two of your team members in this episode. And so that would be the business partner and a mentor. And then, of course, over the course of the next three episodes, we will go over the process for hiring the remaining team members. So... If you remember, in episode 1527, when we discussed the market evaluation strategies, if you remember, we posed the question, what's the most important factor in real estate? And obviously, in that episode, we went over how to select and qualify a target market. But what I said is that the overall MSA or city is not as important as the actual neighborhood or, or submarket, and the neighborhood and submarket are not as important as the actual deal, but 
All of those things are trumped by the ability to execute the business plan. So the market is not the most important factor, nor is the deal, nor is the cap rate or anything else. The most important aspect of real estate, and in particular apartment syndications, is the ability to execute the business plan. Because if you can't execute the business plan, then the best deal and the best market really means nothing. And we said that one way for you to build up your ability to execute a business plan is obviously going to be your education and experience. But the most important piece is going to be your, your team. Because when you are first starting out, you're not going to know how to execute the business plan properly. And that's kind of the catch-22, because the best way to learn how to do it is to actually do it. But you can't really do it until you've done it before. So the way to get around that is to surround yourself with a credible, experienced team who has experienced executing the business plan in the past successfully. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the course of this next four-part series. Just wanted to start off by mentioning how important your team actually is, because your team is going to be the one that's going to be helping you implement the business plan. So that being said, who is on the apartment education team? I've broken it into two different categories. The first is the core team members. So these are people that you are essentially working with on a daily or weekly basis and are pretty heavily involved in the process, whereas the other team members are more deal-specific, or you maybe you have meetings with them once every quarter or once a year, and those are the secondary team members. So the four core team members are going to be a business partner, a mentor, a property management company, and a real estate broker or brokers. So those are going to be the four most important members of your team. The secondary team members are going to be the attorneys, so the real estate and securities attorneys, as well as a mortgage broker or a lender, and then finally, an accountant. So essentially, there are seven companies that you're going to need to bring onto your team. In this episode, we're going to talk about the first two, the partner and the mentor. In part two, we're going to talk about the property management company. In part three, we're going to talk about the real estate brokers. And then in part four, we're going to talk about those secondary team members. And for this series, there is going to be a free document, of course, and it's going to be a building your team spreadsheet. So it will be a place for you to log the contact information of all the various team members that you need, kind of like a a checklist to make sure that you've got all of your bases covered. So to download that document, you can find it in the show notes of any of the four episodes in this series or at syndicationschool.com. So before we dive into the process for hiring a partner and a mentor, I wanted to discuss how you actually find these team members. Again, for some of them, it's going to be a very specific way to find them, or you might have a different strategy in mind, or have heard of ways people found people in the past. But generally, you're going to find all of these team members through one of six ways. So the first way to find potential team members is through your interview-based thought leadership platform. So in last week's series, it actually was a four-part series, so the previous two weeks, I believe that's series seven and eight, we discussed the thought leadership platform and the importance of building a brand as an apartment indicator. And one of those benefits was the networking capabilities of having an interview-based thought leadership platform. 
you are having a conversation with one real estate professional every week, bi-weekly, once a month, and that person in particular could be a potential team member, or maybe they know someone who could be a potential team member. So for example, you could make it your goal to try to interview at least one person from each of these four team member categories a month. So maybe one month you'll interview a potential partner, and the next month a potential mentor, and the next month a potential property management company, and so on and so forth. And you get the dual benefits of, number one, having a podcast or a YouTube episode, but also you have the opportunity to meet with them, talk with them, get to know them, and see if they would be a good fit for your business. And again, I'm just talking about how to find these people. We will go into particulars on what to do once you found them in the later sections of this episode for the partner and the mentor. Another way to find potential team members is through other interview-based thought leadership platforms. So, for example, you could listen to this daily podcast. So there's seven different real estate professionals every week, 365 every single year. So maybe one of those people could be your property management company or a mortgage broker. I mean, right now, our sponsor is actually a mortgage broker. So that's a perfect example of a way to find a potential team member. Listening to other podcasts, watching uh, real estate YouTube channels, reading blogs. The third way is to attend local apartment meetup groups. Go there, network, talk to people, figure out who is doing what, and see if they could be a potential team member. I know at Joe's meetup group, for example, there's a session of the meetup where people get to ask a question or have an ask. So if you're at this point in the process, your ask could be, hey, I'm looking for a mortgage broker. I'm looking for a real estate broker. Do you have any recommendations? And build a list. The fourth way is through bigger pockets. So there's millions of active real estate professionals on bigger pockets. So you can use a search function. So for example, me in Tampa, I'd say Tampa Bay property managers compile a list of all the profiles and reach out to them and ask them to set up a phone call to discuss a conversation about potentially bringing them on as a team member. Now for the bigger pockets strategy, I recommend only contacting people that are actually active on bigger pockets. If their profile's been inactive for multiple years or if they don't have any posts, then that's not as good as someone who's actively posting multiple times per day because now, that's the indication of that person's business acumen and work effort and things like that. Another way is simply just to use the internet. So you can Google the top property management companies in your market, top real estate brokerages in your market, compile a list of those and reach out, give them a call. That's actually how I found my real estate brokers and property management company. I use Google. And then lastly, but most importantly, the best way to find prospective team members is through referrals. So the main source of your referrals could be a mentor. We'll get into that person here later on in this episode. But once you've found a mentor who's an active apartments indicator, who has a track record of success, obviously they're tapped into the market, they're tapped into the industry, and they should be able to provide you with connections to the various team members that you need. Or another approach is to bring on a property management company first or a real estate broker or a mortgage broker. And all three of those people will work with all the team members that you would need to bring on. So you can ask all of them for referrals as well. Really the best way to find these people is through referrals. And really those first six steps, except for maybe with the exception of the internet, are kind of essentially referral based. 
So that's how you find these team members. Again, there's particular ways to find a certain team member that might not work for a different team member, but in general, those are going to be the top six ways to find your team members. Now, let's get into the meat of the series, which is the process for actually hiring these team members. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about the partner and the mentor. So first of all, not every single person is going to need a partner or a mentor. It really depends. So for example, for the partner, if you want a business partner, it should be someone who complements your strengths and interests, first of all, and they make up for the areas that you are lacking in. So a few examples. For me, I have a strong operational background. I understand the acquisition process. I am very detail-oriented, and I have strongest experience in underwriting, as well as managing the managing deals on the back end, whereas something that I'm lacking in is access to private capital, the ability, or really the interest to raise money. So what I did is rather than attempt to do all that by myself, I decided to bring on a partner for the specific outcome of raising money. So I didn't find someone who also liked to underwrite or someone who also wanted to be an asset manager. I found someone that was hyper-focused in the one skill that I was lacking in. So that's what you need to do. Starting out, it's going to be a little bit different for you because you might have no experience or no credibility or strength. At least you might think you do, but you got to be a little creative. Based off of your educational background and your experience background, what do you have to bring to the table? What is it exactly? There's going to be something that you are good at and want to do. And then once you've identified that, you want to find other people, other partners to complement what you're able to do. So what do I mean by do? So what exactly do you need on the general partnership side of the for an apartment syndication? Because you've got your passive investors who are investing in the deal. And you've got kind of your outside third-party team members who are finding deals for you. They're managing the deals afterwards. But at the end of the day, apartment syndication is a business. And you're going to need to have a team of people who are actually fulfilling the roles of that business. So there's actually five parts to the general partnership. The first part would be someone who funds the upfront costs. So this is a person who funds the costs from contract to close although they're usually reimbursed. So you're going to need someone on the team that does that. There's also going to be someone who does acquisition management. So they're going to find the deals, underwrite the deals, submit offers on the deals, manage the due diligence process, secure the financing, oversee the closing process. So essentially everything from the start to close. You're also going to need a sponsor or also known as a key principal or a loan guarantor. This is someone who meets the liquidity, net worth, and experience requirements set forth by the lender, and they sign on the loan. There's also going to be the investor relations person, so they're the ones who find the investors, secure the commitments once there's a deal under contract, and is responsible for the ongoing communication with the investors. And then lastly, you've got the person who's the asset manager, so they're the ones who manage the business plan and the management company after close. So all five of those could be done by one person. One person could be responsible for each. It could be really a combination of those two. And usually when you're starting out, probably going to be at least two GPs. For example, 
might have one person who's responsible for acquisition management and asset management. Another person's responsible for investor relations, they're the sponsor, and they fund the upfront costs. But more than likely, there's going to be a lot of GPs. You might have one person who's funding the upfront costs. You might have multiple people who are finding and underwriting deals, so responsible for acquisition management. You might have 10 sponsors to help you qualify for that loan. And you might have 10 more people who are helping you raise money for the deal. And then a few people doing the asset management. So for each of these parts, there is a general compensation or general percentage of the general partnership assigned to each of these. And so that's how you know how to compensate your partners as well as how you'll be compensated. So if you remember, in episode 1513, we discussed all the different ways the general partner makes money. And that essentially goes into a pot. And if there's one GP, then they get 100% of that pot. If there's multiple GPs, then the percentage of the pot that they receive is based off of the role that they're fulfilling. So for the person who is responsible for the upfront costs, since they're getting reimbursed, there is a little bit lower risk. So typically they'll receive maybe 5% of the general partnership, or there might be some other agreement that they make with that person and they'll get any percentage of the general partnership. Maybe they get an interest rate while the money is being held or something like that. For the acquisition management, that is obviously a much bigger role because you're finding the deals, offering the deals, managing your due diligence, and so on. So that is typically around 20% of the general partnership. The sponsor, key principal, loan guarantor, that person who signs on the loan, that could be anywhere between 5 and 20%. Now, why is such a wide range? Well, it depends on the risk level of the deal. So if it's a turnkey property, you're probably going to be on the lower end of the range, whereas if it's highly distressed business plan, then they have to give them a little bit more because the risk level is increased. It also depends on the type of loan. So for example, if the loan is recourse, which means that the loan guarantor is personally liable, then you're going to have to offer them a little bit more than if the loan was non-recourse, which means they aren't personally liable unless a car bar is triggered. It also will depend on your relationship with this person. So if you have a personal connection, trusting relationship with the sponsor, then they'll likely charge a little bit less. Whereas if they have no idea who you are, they don't know your abilities, they don't know you personally, then you're going to have to give up a little bit more of the general partnership to bring them on. But other examples of ways to compensate this person is you could just give them a percentage of the principal balance at closing. So on the low end, that could be 0.5 to 1%. On the high end, that could be 3.5% to 5% of the loan balance. One lump sum paid to them. And that could be in addition to or instead of the percentage of the general partnership. Next, the investor relations person. That is also obviously very important and could likely be multiple people. That could be anywhere between 30% to 40% of the general partnership. And then lastly, you've got the asset manager who would get 20 to 35% of the general partnership. Now, how do you actually qualify a potential partner? Here are a few things to think about when you are talking to either potential business partners, like straight up 50-50, breaking this apart 50-50, or when you are bringing on someone for a particular duty like investor relations or at the sponsor. 
Number one, you're going to want to know what their track record is in the real estate and in business, similar to why you need a track record in real estate and in business before becoming a apartment syndicator. And you're also going to want to get a little bit more specific and ask them what is their track record on the specific thing they're supposed to do. So if they're supposed to raise money, what's their track record on raising money? You also want to know how much time they have to spend on the business. Do they have a full-time job where they're working 100 hours a week and they can only dedicate a few hours a week to their duty? Or do they have a more flexible job that allows them to give their responsibility the attention it deserves? At the same time, you want to know, especially if you're doing 50-50, if they have the same amount of time that you have. Because that might bring up issues in the future if they're working 20 hours a week in the business and you're only working 5 hours a week or vice versa. You also want to know if they have complementary skills to you. So you want to know what they're good at and what they're bad at or experienced at and see if you are essentially the opposite. So what they're good at, what you're good at, they're not good at or experienced at and vice versa. You also want to know if you have complementary personalities. So essentially, can you get along with this person? Or are you both very stubborn? Or you both need to be in charge and control? Kind of on a more emotional, personal level. And then lastly, what is your long-term goal? If your goals are too far apart, it also probably won't work out. If you want to make a billion-dollar company and they only want to do a couple of deals before getting out, then, again, that might bring up issues down the road. Now, for the person who's just starting out, and if you're a browser of bigger pocket, you'll see a lot of people asking questions about wanting a partner because they are inexperienced. And if that's the case, then obviously you're going to win them over. You're going to need to give them something to add value to them, or else why would they be working with you? So a few strategies on how to actually be presentable when reaching out to potential partners who you actually need in order to help you complete the deal, whereas they don't actually technically need you. Number one is to have that strong business and real estate background. So if you want to know what that means, make sure you listen to episodes 1499 and 1500, where we had a conversation about that. You also want to make sure that you display your apartment investing expertise. So while having a conversation with them, let them know that you know what you're talking about, basically. Which means that you can answer their questions on what market you're investing in, the investment strategy, and essentially the questions that you're going to be asked by the property management company, real estate broker, other team members, and um, and we'll go over that in the future episodes. You also want to bring something that they need to the table. So figure out what they need and help them with that. So maybe you have a particular skill set that they need, or maybe you have money, but you need help with everything else, right? You need to bring something to the table rather than just wanting to do a deal, and that's really it. Also, try to form a personal connection. So I know a lot of people have success kind of whining and dining, so you know, going out to the bars for a drink or restaurants, playing golf, and kind of just building a personal, trusting relationship with this person so that they trust you and then they're willing to work with you. And the last option is just pay them. So pay them money to be your partner. And in that case, they're essentially going to be a mentor, which is a perfect transition to the next section or the next team member, which is the mentor. Now, the mentor is going to be a paid consultant. So I'm not talking about someone who is like you know, a fatherly figure to you who you aren't paying. This is someone you're actually paying. A lot of people have different opinions on whether or not you need a mentor. And I'm not going to say whether you do or don't need a mentor. Instead, I'm going to talk about what to expect and what not to expect from a mentor. And when you are ready to actually hire a mentor. And then 
the decision is ultimately up to you. So whether you need a mentor kind of really comes down to your expectations of what a mentor will do for you, as well as why you want to hire a mentor. So the four things that you should expect out of a mentor is number one, an active, successful apartment indicator. So they're currently doing it. They've been doing it in the past. They plan on doing it in the future. And they've been successful. Number two, you should expect a step-by-step system as well as the personalized help for you to navigate the gray areas. So they should have a system for you to kind of plug into to replicate their success, but you actually have to do the work. And things that aren't covered by this system, you should be able to talk to them about those gray areas. Third, a mentor is an ally that you can call on selfishly about anything. So since you're paying them, you don't really have to worry about asking them about their day or how things are going for them because you're paying them to just talk about yourself. And fourth, you should expect connections. So again, since they're active and since they're an apartments indicator, they should have connections to the people that you need to help you create your team. Now, the two things that you shouldn't expect, number one is a knight in shining armor. So don't expect you to hire a mentor and then magically have a multi-million dollar apartments indication business in a couple of years. Expect to go in there and actually have to do the work yourself. They're just going to give you a leg up. And then lastly, don't expect that done-for-you system. Again, you're going to be doing the work yourself. You don't want them to do everything for you. Number one, they probably won't be doing everything for you. And two, even if they did, then you're highly dependent on them and are never going to be able to break off on your own. Now, what does a mentor actually do for you? Besides those four things to expect, number one, providing you with a step-by-step system, to help you navigate the gray areas. Number two, being an ally to call upon. Number three, connections. Number four, obviously, them being the active, successful apartments indicator. You will also have the ability to leverage their credibility when talking to team members and to potentially past investors as well. Because you can say, hey, on my team, there's a board member who has done multiple millions of dollars in deals. Been doing it for 20 years. And also, you get the potential for alignment of interest. So just the fact that they're, again, just being on your team, you can leverage their credibility, but... They also might have some sort of stake in the deal, whether it's a sweat equity stake, they're actually working in the deal, or they have their own money in the deal. So those are the things that the mentor can do for you. So how do you know you're ready to hire a mentor? Again, not everyone is at that point right now. The two things that you need to do in order to be ready to hire a mentor, number one is to have the accurate expectations, which now, after listening to this episode, you actually have those expectations. And number two is to have a defined outcome. So what is it exactly you want to get out of the mentorship? You need to know exactly what it is. Is it to a find deals? Is it to bring on team members? It just can't be, I want to be an apartment indicator. It has to be something specific so that you can leverage that person accordingly. So if what you really want are connections, then the expectation is that the mentor should offer connections. So when you're talking to mentors, ask them about their connections. And then once you've actually hired them, Make sure that's your focus, at least at first. Now, how a mentor is compensated is really based on their compensation structure for their program. But I would expect to pay at least a few thousand dollars for a high-quality mentor. But again, since we're dealing in a $100,000, multi-million-dollar industry, what's a few thousand dollars if you're able to close on a deal? Now, the things to think about when you are qualifying this person is, number one, are they an apartment syndicator? Number two, are they still active? And number three, do they have a successful track record? And by successful, it means did they meet or exceed their return projections on their deals? You don't want someone who just 
teaches apartment syndications, but hasn't actually done it before or isn't still doing it because, like everything, it's an evolving industry. And if they were successful in the past, it might have been because something that happened in the future that didn't affect them because they were buying the deals at that point in time. So make sure that they're actually an apartment syndicator, that they're still active, and that they have a successful track record. Now, I did say that the mentor is a paid person. So obviously, your way to win them over to your side is to pay them money. But once you're actually in their program, there are still a few things that you can do to kind of set yourself apart from the other people in the program in order to hopefully get extra help from them and ideally have some sort of stake in the deal. And the best way to do that, and it's very simple and sad, but harder in practice, and is to actually make sure you remain active in their program and actually do the exercises. So once you get into the program, they're going to have some system for you. And it's probably going to start off by you getting educated and then kind of growing from there. Make sure you set time each day to actually perform those exercises. Don't just pay the money and then kind of disappear. Make sure you're active, actively asking questions to show that you're serious about closing on a deal. And then lastly, you can listen to episode 1507, How to Break into the Apartment Syndication Industry to learn another tactic for how to win over a mentor. And in this specific strategy is technically not a mentor because you're not paying them money. You're paying them in a different form. So I would definitely recommend checking out that episode 1507. So that wraps up this episode, the part one of the four-part series about forming your apartment syndication team. In this episode, you learned about the four core team members and the three secondary team members that make up your seven-man team or seven-woman team or seven-company team. You also learned the top six ways to find your prospective team members. And then lastly, you learned the process for hiring a business partner or partners as well as a mentor. Now, in part two, we will discuss the process for hiring a property management company. So the fact that we're dedicating an entire episode to just the property management company should tell you how important they are to your success. So until then, to listen to other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications and to download your free team building spreadsheet document, visit syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at Eastern eq.com best ever listeners we have launched bestevercauses.com that's bestevercauses.com we profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause if you'd like to one learn more about the causes that we're profiling we do one a month then go to bestevercauses.com And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.